We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Tuesday, January the 21st, 2020. On today's show, I break down South Carolina's 81-67 to win over the Texas A&M Aggies. I'll give my thoughts, my takeaways, and just what it means for South Carolina as they get back-to-back SEC wins for the first time this season. Also, we continue the position and previews talking about the Gamecocks' first baseman heading into the 2020 season. I'll talk about the key losses, who's back, who has the most to prove, the best overall, give my my overall grade of the unit, and much, much more. Also, tons of news and notes to get into, including women's basketball getting a big win over Mississippi State last night, Jermaine Kuznar picking up some weekly honors, South Carolina football picking up a commitment for the 2020 class, much more there as well. Also, your listener questions and a fantastic interview with former Gamecocks outfielder Carlos Cortez, and I know that you are sure to enjoy. Before we get into everything, this is a podcast to you by our friends over at Ag South Farm Credit. Guys, most lenders don't understand land financing. Ag South Farm Credit specializes in land financing and has been doing it for over 100 years. They make loans for small and large acreage, hunting property, timberland, farm and pastureland, even home mortgages and construction. They have a ton of great benefits, including long-term fixed rate financing for up to 20 years, down payments as low as 15%. They have competitive rates and they pay an average of 25% of the interest back every year as what they call patronage. They're cooperative, so they share in their profits with their member borrowers. So guys, for example, on a $300,000 loan at 6.5% for 20 years, you would get back $2,770 each year. They have an experienced lending staff that knows land and knows how to finance it. Guys, in 2020, a lot of us are going to be making a lot of big-time life decisions. A lot of us are getting to that age. We're thinking about it. Either we're getting married, we're buying our first house, we're buying our dream house, we're buying a plot of land to build a house on. Whatever it may be, Whatever you need to make a big-time life decision like that, it's always full of stress, full of strain. You know, you're always thinking to yourself, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? You want to make sure you have the right support system, the right people in your corner. Ag South Farm Credit, they are that lender. Like I said, no matter what it is that you're doing, buying your first house, your dream house, you're building a home, whatever it is, they are going to be that lender, those people that are in your corner. They're going to make the process super simple and super easy for you. One of the questions they get asked most often, The name has farm credit in it. Are they just for farmers? So the answer is not at all. Their mission is actually to support rural America, and that can include just about anything that involves the purchase of land. So a lot of their customers are those that just want a piece of property outside of the town they can live on. So you absolutely do not have to be a farmer. Anyone wanting to live in rural America can use Ag South Farm Credit. They can help you guys out. If you have any more questions about what Ag South Farm Credit can do, 
give them a call, 844-AG-SOUTH, or visit their website, agsouthfc.com slash T-S-U-S. Again, that's A-G-S-O-U-T-H-F-C dot com slash T-S-U-S. Ag South and Equal Housing Lender, NMLS 619-788. So again, their website, agsouthfc.com slash T-S-U-S, or give them a call, 844-AG-SOUTH, and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. All right, let's get into it. Phillips, your host of the Spurs Up Show, as always. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Got a packed show. We're talking South Carolina basketball, baseball, women's basketball, a little bit of football talk as well. Got your listener questions. A great interview as well with the former Gamecocks baseball player. An awesome interview. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Um, yeah, appreciate you guys tuning in. Obviously, I am back from vacation. You're hearing this show. Obviously, things are a little bit of a... Uh, uh, jumbled up right now, um, went to Orlando, went to Disney World with the family from Friday to Monday or yesterday, was planning on putting out a show for Monday. You guys probably saw my announcement on social media, though, you know, was in the hotel. We had a long couple of days. Obviously, if you guys have ever been to the theme parks, I uh, was it with the fam, too, so really nowhere good to record. I didn't want to put something together and half-ass it, so decided to do no show Monday, and then Monday night, Actually got back into town around, tw- got back into North Augusta around 1230. Would have gotten into Columbia around 145 or so. And again, kind of a similar situation. Didn't want to put out a half-assed product. Didn't want to rush it. Figured I'd just record. So we were recording this Tuesday morning. Got a ton to talk about, obviously recapping everything that happened over the weekend, getting into positioning and previews. Got a ton to go over, but I appreciate you guys being patient with me. Uh, I will say the vacation, for those of you that were wondering, was awesome. It was honestly a great reset if you will and it was great to spend time with the family I'm a big family guy I come with a big family or come from a big family so it was great to spend time with the fam it was great to get that quality time with them it's really uh you know I've always been a big family guy when you get to go on a vacation with them and spend you know really good really close quality time with the family it's uh really kind of reminds you you know just how important family is so it was awesome stuff great stuff I appreciate you guys being patient with me but we got a lot to talk about obviously in Gamecock sports Gamecocks athletics a lot going on starting with men's basketball it was a big weekend for Carolina basketball I want to start on the men's side Saturday South Carolina beats the Texas Santa Maggie's 81 to 67 I will tell you guys be completely honest I was at Magic Kingdom Saturday so I caught bits and pieces of this one but I caught enough of it to know exactly what was going on and that is South Carolina picking up a massive massive road win back-to-back SEC wins you get to 500 in SEC play again 81 to 67 South Carolina able to pull away Gamecocks came in this game believe it or not a one-point underdog and win the game by 14 points if that isn't the definition of the South Carolina basketball season I really don't know what is but a massive road win I mean you take a look at the statistics here South Carolina absolutely shot the lights out shooting 48 percent from the field but the three-point numbers, I think they may have set a record. I think it was a historic day from the three-point line. 16 of 30 from the three-point line, 53%. I mean, listen, when you make 16 three-pointers and you hold your opponent to making just three three-pointers, you're going to win every time. Um, I know the thing that pissed a lot of South Carolina fans off, and rightfully so, was the officiating, the free-throw shooting. Texas A&M, I mean, this, these stats are crazy. 41 free-throws total for Texas A&M. They made 28 of them. South Carolina, just eight. Eight free throws. So that discrepancy to me is insane. Obviously, I, I, you know, 
we all know you could gripe about SEC officiating every single game after every single game, win or lose, you can gripe about them. But, you know, either way, South Carolina able to pull out the win, 81-67 again. When you're making 16 of 30 from three-point range, you're going to have a really, really good day. One of the things that really stuck out to me that I was impressed with, again, Jermaine Kuznard stays hot. He has 17 points in the game. Um, a guy that we talked about a lot that needed to continue his hot play after Kentucky, needed to be a guy South Carolina could really depend on. I think he's starting to become that guy. I think he's starting to really grow into that role again. 17 points on the road following up that 26-point uh, performance against Kentucky where he hit the game-winning shot. A great performance from him. Welcome back, Jair Bolden. My goodness. It's so funny. As much as I've talked about him, we thought he completely disappeared. I joked that he got left off, uh, left in Charlottesville, didn't get back on the bus well, he finally caught a flight from Charlottesville to College Station, and what did he do? He just led South Carolina with 19 points, played 33 minutes. He was 5 of 7 from three-point range, 7 of 12 from the field. You know, had six assists to go along with it, two steals. I don't really know what it was that clicked or what the deal is with Jair Bolden, but uh, definitely great to have him back rolling. Um, also, same can be said for Justin Manaya, a guy who played really, really well, had 18 points, 6-11 and 11 from the field, 4 of 8 from three-point range. You know, I talked about it on social media a little bit Saturday, but I'll say it again. You know, the, the great, I guess the great and maybe somewhat of the frustrating thing about this team, which I think we're actually starting to see the end of that, um, is that it's always somebody different game after game. It's like it's not just one guy, which is a great quality you have. I mean, heck, give a shout-out to A.J. Lawson. You know, he's been struggling a ton he had 13 points in 16 minutes, so a solid game from him as well. But it always seems like there's a different leading scorer every single game. There's a, there's a different guy stepping up and leading South Carolina every single game. And again, Jair Bolden. I mean, coming out of nowhere, we're talking about a guy that did not that did not even come off the bench against Kentucky, leading your team in scoring at Texas A&M. I mean. It's just crazy. So kudos to him. I mean, again, a huge win for South Carolina to go on the road into hostile territory to really, again, perfect spot for a letdown. I said this on social media. This was a perfect spot for a letdown. You're a one-point under. And I think Vegas thought that, too. Again, making South Carolina a one-point underdog after that huge win against Kentucky, that's all it really could have said to you is that Vegas expects South Carolina to come in overconfident or riding that emotional high or still patting themselves on the back and not fully prepared for this game against Texas A&M. We did not see that at all. Again, South Carolina came out, played great basketball, shot the basketball well. Again, really a dominating performance. You were up by six at half. You outscore A&M by eight in the second half. No contest. Again, when you're shooting the basketball from the three-point range like South Carolina was doing, you're going to have a lot of success. You're going to win a lot of games. Um, You know, I've talked about it before. When South Carolina's guards don't shoot well, it's ugly. When they shoot well – when they shoot that well, it is very fun. It's a lot of fun to watch. So, you know, I'm not saying they'll be able to keep it up that way. I definitely don't think so. Again, that being a, a historic day in College Station. But just great to see those those guards that we talked about all preseason and the guys we know have talent like a Bolden, like a Kuznar, like a Lawson, like a Manaya. See those guys really get rolling. South Carolina's going to need those guys throughout conference play, obviously. But a huge win. Again, you get back-to-back SEC wins. You're back to 500 in SEC play. You're 2-2 two and two now. Sets up a huge game at Auburn. Obviously, we know Auburn, a really, really good team. They actually have been struggling a little bit of late as well, though. Uh, I think they fell in the AP poll, I think, about 10 spots or something. They fell a lot. So, Gamecocks will have another opportunity to go on the road and get a big-time upset win, which could really, really propel their season. Um 
I will say this, and I, I want to say this, and I hope you can all get a laugh out of uh, get a laugh out of this along with me. But uh, you know, it, a lot of people say you know social media is a toxic place, and you know when South kind of loses, you know the negativity comes out. I would actually argue that I think the most toxic and negative people show their faces after South Carolina gets a big win. After South Carolina gets wins, not losses, wins. Because every time South Carolina gets a win in any sport, people are – there. not a lot, but there are, there are select people filling up my mentions. Oh, fire Frank Martin. Oh, what about Frank Martin? Frank Martin. Fra-. Like, first off, I never said fire Frank Martin. I never said fire Frank Martin. Always knew he was a good basketball coach. I've said that before on the show for you, for you guys that are listening, that do listen. You know what I've said about Frank Martin. You know, there, there were reasons to be questioning his, his coaching ability or what, what was going on. Obviously, yeah, you went back-to-back SEC games. That changes things a little bit. Your, the trajectory of your season has changed just a little bit. Um, but anyways, it's just so funny to see, like, it's like just enjoy this win for 10 seconds, guys. We can, we can argue later. Let's enjoy the fact South Carolina got the W. But it can't be understated how significant it is for South Carolina to get back-to-back SEC wins, to get back to 500 SEC play. Again, kudos to Frank Martin. Kudos to that staff. Kudos to that team. Because, again, I said before, when you were 0-2 in SEC play, this thing could have gotten out of hand really, really fast. And you get that big win against Kentucky, that buzzer-beater shot. You get this win on the road. Now you have a newfound confidence going to Auburn. Heck, you might be able to win that one. Get to 3-2. and two. I mean, who knows? Even if you don't, though, you have a fairly favorable three-game stretch coming up. I mean, you go to Auburn, then you've got Vanderbilt and Arkansas. I think Arkansas is on the road as well. Yeah, it's uh, Auburn on the road. Vanderbilt Saturday night at home, and then Arkansas next Wednesday on the road. So, I mean, you have an opportunity to really get things rolling here. Get your SEC record really improved. Get things rolling. I mean, again, I don't know. I'm not ready to sit here and tell you that South Carolina is going to go on some run and make the NCAA tournament. I'm not ready to say that because it's a long season, and, you know, what goes up must come down. As hot as you can get, you get cold as well. So, I mean, we've seen this team be Jekyll and be Hyde. So, I'm not ready to sit here and say that the Gamecocks have found it and, they, you know, they're going to go on some run. But I like what I've seen. I definitely like what I've seen. And, again, you know, kudos to Frank Martin. Kudos to Steph. I always said, like I said, I've never said Frank Martin, fire Frank Martin throughout this entire season. Obviously, there's been some questioning of his coaching style, which is not something new. That's been something over the years. But I don't think anybody questions Frank Martin's a good basketball coach. I never said he wasn't a good basketball coach. I think he is. I think he is a good basketball coach. And I'm just glad to see it finally translating to conference wins. I will say, you know, it's still frustrating when you think about it and look back to why did we lose to Stetson? Why did we lose to Boston? When you see what type of talent and capabilities this team has. But uh, anyways, that's in the past. South Carolina, again, gets a 2-2 two and two in SEC play. 10-7 um, and seven overall. You know, again, a big win. It can't be understated how impressive this win was, again, simply to follow up that great Kentucky performance with um, the type of performance you had Saturday in, in College Station. I mean, again, the way you shot the basketball, the way you defended, really just a complete team effort. And, again, you get to 500 SEC play with a newfound confidence and newfound energy. And now you have a real opportunity to take on the Auburn Tigers tomorrow and get a really, really, really big win and, and really go on a hot streak and get this season rolling. So kudos to Frank Martin, the team. Gamecocks win it again 81-67 to over the weekend. All right, let's move to some baseball. Position unit previews continuing – the position unit previews is we are just 24 days away from opening day. Talking Gamecocks, first baseman today. I'm um, going to go through the key losses really quickly. Really, you don't lose a lot 
from this position. You're only losing two guys, Chris Cullen and Jordan Holiday. Um, if you'll remember from a year ago, Josiah Seitlu, who I'm going to talk about in just a second, was actually the opening day first baseman. Sal Connor expected him to be their guy, be the opening day first baseman. Chris Cullen was your opening day catcher. And after one game, that didn't work out. <laughs> it didn't work out. Um, Chris Cullen, great dude, great player, but just did not work out for him in the catcher position. He was moved to first. He started 52 games. Um, basically started every single game at first base for South Carolina, mixed in a couple other guys. Jordan Holiday did play a little bit. But uh, Chris Cullen was the mainstay over there. Hit 206 for South Carolina a year ago. Uh, five homers, 23 RBIs. A guy that, you know, I'll be honest, the plate could never really get it rolling. Always sort of had that potential, but never could get it really get it rolling. Um, but overall, Chris Cullen's the big one. I mean, he was your guy. He was the mainstay over there at first base. But him and Jordan Holiday, your two losses. Who are the notable guys that are back? Well, you got Josiah Seitler, who I just talked about, a guy who was so highly touted last year coming into the season. 12th round draft pick out of high school by the Cincinnati Reds. Did not have a good year. Like Plain and simple, did not have a good year. And then you got Wes Clark. I put Wes Clark in this. Obviously, you guys are like, wait, Wes Clark is a catcher. Played first base a lot in the fall and a guy that I expect to play first base. You've also got the newcomers that I want to mention as well. Uh, Bryant Bowen and Dallas Beaver, the grad transfers that should help out at first base as well. You've got some options over there. And again, those last three guys I mentioned, Beaver, Bowen, and Clark, can catch as well. So I think those guys are going to alternate a lot between catcher and first base, but you can expect to see those guys at least until they find the main guy they want to go with, the everyday first baseman. We've seen those guys shuffle in in all the scrimmages, so I expect to see those guys playing along with maybe a little bit of Josiah Seitler as well. You get into the most to prove here. And I talked about I'm going to talk about Josiah Seitler. I'm going to be very brutally honest. Seitler a year ago hit .067. Um, had two RBIs in the year, but simply put, not a good year. A pitiful year for Josiah Seitler, a guy, again, that came in with all the accolades, all the expectations. I remember specifically a year ago, Mark Kingston said about Josiah Seitler, he compared his power and his pop to Justin Smoke, which I said a year ago. If you're going to make that type of comparison, you better deliver because that is some lofty, lofty praise. For someone, because we obviously know Justin Smoke is one of the all-time greats at South Carolina, if not, you know, the great of South Carolina baseball. And we see what he's doing in the big leagues as well. But Josiah Seitler, to me, no doubt has the most to prove, not just at this position, but I think he might have the most to prove of any Gamecock on this baseball team. A guy that I have very, very good word that was very close to being cut after last season. I mean, you think about that, being cut after being a 12th-round draft pick out of high school and being the Gamecocks' opening day starter at first base. You know, South Carolina, when you go to these scrimmages, and, you know, I went in the fall, and obviously the ones in the spring are about to start up this weekend, which I'm extremely pumped about. But you go to these scrimmages, they're giving him every opportunity to get on the field and contribute. Every opportunity. They've put him at pitcher. They've put him at outfield. Obviously, first. I mean, they want – you know, they're trying to get that guy – the, the, the 12th round draft pick, they're trying to get that guy out of him. He's going to get every opportunity. But here's the thing. If he cannot hit, he cannot play. And those that have watched him take BP and those that have seen the flashes, they'll tell you he can smash. No question. But if you can't hit, you're not going to play. So Josiah Seitler, again, a ton to prove this year. He, he needs to remind people why he was that guy in high school. Again, I know this is a different level. Josiah Seitler, though, has got a ton to prove. There's no questions asked. I mean, a guy, again, that was almost cut 
after being a stud, you know, one of your top recruits, opening day first baseman, doesn't even sniff the field after that. So, Josiah Slightman, me, the most approved by a long shot, maybe on this entire baseball team. The best overall, I'm going to go with Wes Clark. Um, right now, again, I know they're going to switch him out between catching and first. He may be the best overall two positions. Again, I, I think Bowen's going to be a factor. I think Dallas Beaver's going to be a factor. But what we know right now, Wes Clark, to me, is the best overall. When you take a look at Wes's stats, 239 a year ago, had a homer, five RBIs. But I'll tell you this, guys. Watching Wes Clark in the fall looks like such a more polished hitter, a more disciplined hitter, a more mature hitter. He's gotten a lot bigger, stronger, really filled out his body. I think Wes Clark is a guy – he plays a good defensive first base as well. I think Wes Clark is a guy that can have a huge, huge impact for South Carolina this year. Really at the plate, in the field, no matter where he is. But I think a lot of that time will be first base. So that, to me, gives Wes Clark the nod. Being the best overall, there's just so many unknowns with how guys like Bryant Bowen and Dallas Beaver are going to adjust this level. And, again, I, I saw a lot of good things from them in the fall. Don't get me wrong, saw a lot of good things from them, a lot of power from them. But, overall, Wes Clark, to me, looks really polished. Looks like a really professional hitter. Like, he has a real professional approach when I watched him in the fall. So, Wes Clark, to me, best overall out of this unit. Um, season will be successful for the first baseman if 15-plus home runs from the first base position. I think I talked last year I wanted double-digit home runs, and obviously with Chris Cullen being the starter, that did not happen. When you take a look at the guys you have, though, even factoring in Seitler, Wes Clark, Bowen, Beaver, there's power. All of those guys have power. Less than 15 – less than double-digit home runs from this position would be a travesty in my opinion. But 15-plus I think is very doable. I think Wes Clark's a guy that can hit six or seven. I think Bowen and Beaver are guys that can get close to double digits. And God forbid if Josiah Seitler can ever figure it out. I mean, I think he's a guy that could get up there around double digits. He has that type of pop. I'm not predicting that, but he has that type of pop. But to me, the season will be successful with 15-plus home runs from the first base position. That's a position in the corners. You need power. You need your big sluggers over there. I think Carolina's got it. And I think 15-plus is a very conservative number. I think it's something South Carolina can easily achieve. Um, the overall grade of the first baseman, I'm going to give the first baseman a C right now. Again, just because you really don't know who your starter is. Um, believe it or not, they actually put Noah Campbell over at first in the fall. Just trying him out. So, I mean, you really don't know who your starter is. I think there's a lot of good options. There's a lot of good potential. Again, I think Wes Clark could be that guy, but I think he's also going to catch. So, when he catches, who's going to play? Um, and I think there's a lot of unknowns as well, like I said, about Beaver and Bowen. How can they can they adjust to this level? Can they adjust to SEC pitching? Again, two guys that we saw flashes in the fall, I thought, but it's obviously a different ball game when you're, you know, you're facing it day in, day out. You're facing the arms Carolina goes up against. So, um, I'm going to give them a C right now. I definitely think there's some upside with this group, but I think a C is a pretty fair, uh, a pretty fair grade right now, especially with the the lack of experience at the position. So, uh, really excited about the Gamecocks' first baseman. Um, think this is a group again with a ton of upside that could really surprise people this year. Um, all right, let's get into some news and notes. We'll get into your listener questions first off. How can we start anywhere else but Gamecocks women's basketball picking up a huge, huge win? Last night at Colonial Life Arena, beating Mississippi State 81-79. Carolina, number one in the country. Mississippi State was ranked, I believe, 10th. Um, like I said, like I've said before, Don Staley and company continue to keep it rolling. This game came down to the wire. Um, you know, I, you know I, I will say, all of the other women's teams that were number one and had a big game lost. You see South Carolina's toughness, tenacity. They're number one. They get a big game at home. 
they win the game. So, you know, it's like I've said before. I, I mean, I'm really excited what Don Staley's doing, building this thing up, keeping it rolling. I mean, South Carolina women's basketball is untouchable, it feels like right now in a sense. I mean, they're so good. Um, when you have a leader like Dawn Staley, when you have the talent they have, you're going to win a lot of basketball games in Carolina. Um, it's going to be a very fun season. I think I expect these girls to make a really, really deep run. And again, beating a team like Mississippi State, 81-79. It's so funny how salty Mississippi State fans are on social media, how salty their head coach is. Um, I know they don't like South Carolina because Carolina beat them, um, beat them to win the national title, beat them a lot. South Carolina's beat them a lot, it feels like, over the last decade. So, But anyways, a huge win for Dawn Staley and company to beat number 10 Mississippi State, 81-79. Uh, Jermaine Kuznar, give some props to Jermaine as well, named SEC Freshman of the Week, obviously for his huge performance against Kentucky, and then really, really nice play as well Saturday at College Station. So really well-deserved, a guy that, again, I think is growing into his own, becoming that leader, becoming that consistent shooter of the basketball that South Carolina so desperately needs. Uh, also, one last note really quickly, football note, South Carolina picks up a commit from 2020 long snapper Hunter Rogers. Uh, Hunter Rogers, a Spring Valley kid, Spring Valley product, so a kid that's local gets to stay home. Um, so, yeah, Gamecocks football continues to truck along as Will Muschamp and company continue to hit the recruiting trail. All right, let's get into these listener questions. Got a ton of listener questions, and we'll get into this interview with Carlos Cortez. Uh, we'll start with Andrew underscore the underscore textbook. Can you see South Carolina reaching 20-plus wins by the end of the men's basketball season? 20 is a lot. You're at 10 wins right now. You have, what, 16 more. Um, yeah, 16 more. I mean, you could certainly get there. I mean, again, I'm not ready to predict that South kind of goes on some tear. I mean, you'd have to go 10 and 6 over your last 16. You would finish, what, 12 and 12 and 8 in conference, which you'd be right on the NCAA tournament bubble if you did that. I think they certainly can if they continue to play the way they're playing right now. And like we talked about, the schedule gets easier over the last two months. I mean, really, the schedule was very, very heavy at the front of it. The back end of the schedule, though, is extremely manageable. So if you can continue to play like you're playing now, if Kuznar can keep it up, if you can continue to get production from your guard play, you certainly have a chance. I think it's certainly feasible for this team. Um, James underscore Paul underscore Wagner, if we beat Auburn, how much do our chances of making the tournament go up? Again, it's a long season, but, I mean, it certainly will help. I mean, a big road win like that, you get over 500 in SEC playing. Again, it's just about building that momentum. But, oh, yeah, I mean, a win at Auburn is going to do nothing but help your tournament chances. And certainly, um, I think the chances are actually pretty good if you beat Auburn. I think the chances increase dramatically if you can go beat Auburn. Um, let's see. Hayden.Deer. Would you think Coach Muschamp will be fired if he doesn't take us to a bowl? 110% absolutely. If South Carolina misses a bowl this season, Will Muschamp is fired. No questions asked. Um, Brant Farmer, best-case scenario for men's basketball record and tournament. I mean, I think best-case, I mean, I, you know, you take a look at the schedule, I mean, I, I think South Carolina could win – I mean, I want to say they could win 12 games, I, you know, in the SEC. I mean, I, I think it's feasible winning 21, 22 games. You know, I don't want to get too excited because, again, what goes up must come down. We've seen this team be Jekyll and Hyde. We've seen them be, we've seen them be hot and cold. But the potential is there. You don't beat teams like Virginia and Kentucky if you don't have some talent. So the potential's there. It's just about getting the best out of South Carolina game in, game out. So – no doubt. I think South Carolina can finish with 20-plus wins. I think they could make the tournament at this point. But 
you have to continue to bring it every single night and bring that consistency every single night as well. Um, Madison.r.benson, you think we can get in the NCAA tournament with 11 or 12 conference wins? Yeah, I mean, I think 12, you're really starting to put yourself in the realistic conversation. You're around 10 or 11, you're on the bubble. But, uh, again, it, it, a lot of it depends on how it all shakes out with everybody else as well. But, yeah, now I think 12-plus, you're definitely putting yourself in good position. Um, let's see. Let's see here. Clemson Tiger – or, let's see. Clemson Tiggs Hater U. When will South Carolina start beating Clemson multiple games in a row in football? I mean, multiple games in a row, you're probably looking at least two to three years. I mean, Clemson, let's just face it, Clemson's not going anywhere. They have a powerhouse. They have a dynasty. They're not going anywhere. South Carolina needs to worry about getting South Carolina right before they worry about anything else. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be years. It's going to be a couple years for sure. Until they start beating them games in a row, you know, I, I think you could steal an upset here or there, but games in a row get the rivalry back to what it was, it's going to be a little bit for sure. Um, Last question here, Savannah 868. How are the chances for another women's basketball team championship? I mean, I think they're very good. I mean, I've made the joke all season that, hey, wake me up when the Final Four gets here because, you know, Dawn Staley and company are just rolling through this thing like it's no big deal. But, I mean, kind of seriously, I mean, when you have Dawn, when you have the talent they have, you know, it's, it's just no question. You, you have a great opportunity to make a, a huge run and win a title. So, I mean, I'd feel really good. I think their chances are really good. I mean, obviously, you're ranked number one in the country for a reason. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd take South Carolina against anybody at this point. So, I feel really, really good about their chances. So, appreciate the listener questions, guys. Like I said, I got a fantastic interview with former Gamecocks outfitter Carlos Cortez. We talked about everything from his path to South Carolina, relationships with both Chad Holbrook and Mark Kingston, um, life at the professional level. Obviously, he's still playing pro ball right now with the New York Mets organization. So we talk about a ton, that much more. And it's all brought to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. Guys, you need your tickets to anything, whether it be South Carolina Gamecock sporting events, concerts, comedy club events, professional sporting events, whatever it may be, go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP. You're going to save $20 off your first purchase. Guys, it's the best ticket buying app by far. They've got a great ticket rating system, which rates the tickets for you based on the type of deal you're getting. So never again are you going to have to question, where is my seat? And am I getting the best bang for my buck? Am I getting ripped off? They take care of all of that for you. And like I said, they've got tickets to literally anything and everything. If you're trying to go to South Carolina basketball, baseball, women's basketball, whatever it may be, concerts. I know there's a lot of concerts in Columbia coming up over the next couple months. If you need your tickets, again, that's our friends at SeatGeek. Go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP, that's S-P-U-R-S-U-P, to save $20 off your first purchase. All right, enjoy this interview with former Gamecocks outfielder, Carlos Cortez. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up Show is a man that played for Gamecocks baseball from 2017 to 2018. During his career, he hit 274, had 27 home runs and 85 RBIs, also sported a 528 slugging percentage while in the Garnet and Black. He was also drafted in the third round of the 2018 MLB draft by the New York Mets and is currently in the Mets organization. I'm very pleased to be joined by former Gamecocks outfielder Carlos Cortez. Carlos, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on. Yes, sir. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. So, Carlos, let's go back to the beginning for you, because obviously you were a guy, really highly regarded prospect at a high school. You were actually drafted in the 2016 MLB draft as well by the New York Mets, ironically, uh, in the 20th round. But you decided to come to school. You come to South Carolina. You're a guy from the state of Florida. Just talk about 
your recruiting process, also the you know the process of being drafted, it ever crossed your mind to go out of high school? But eventually, what led you to come to South Carolina and be a Gamecock? Um, yeah, like you know, it was it, it was a dream to uh, kind of you know get drafted out of high school, and you know, school kind of kind of sucks sometimes, you know. <laughs> but um, so kind of just went through my recruiting process. Didn't have too many offers, and then kind of when sophomore year hit. I went to a showcase down in Fort Myers, and then the offers started rolling in. And South Carolina was always my number one. And they offered me, and I committed right away. And then kind of from there on, the reason why I didn't sign out of high school, because no team ever reached my number. Like, I had a specific number. Mm. And if they didn't reach it, I was going to go to school because that's, you know, I want a certain amount. And if I don't get it, I'm going to school. And it worked out the best way possible, honestly. In my opinion. <laughs> what what made South Carolina your dream school, again, being from Florida? I mean, was it just – I guess I'm assuming you obviously grew up, you know, watching South Carolina in the College World Series. But, I mean, was it someone, you know, you were close with? Or, like, what, what made South Carolina that dream school for you? I mean, just watching them win in 10 and 11, mm. that was like, like – I, I was watching with my mom because I think my dad was uh, – my dad was coaching somewhere and I was with my mom and we watched them win – in 11, I think it was, and I was like, I'm going to go to school there, Mom. Like, I really want to go there now. Like, that's my dream school now. <clears throat> and then I came here as a freshman in uh, high school to a camp, and, I mean, everything about this place is just – it's unbelievable. The, the stadium is second to none. The, the fan base, the, the college town, the college experience is second to none. And I fell in love with it instantly when I stepped on campus. For sure. So, Carlos, you're one of those rare guys that you actually played for both Chad Holbrook and Mark Kingston. You saw the the change, if you will. Just talk about Chad Holbrook first, though, because obviously him and his staff are the ones that recruited you to come to South Carolina. What was your uh, relationship like with Coach Holbrook, and maybe what were your first interactions like with him as well? Um, he was, you know, always good to me, good to my family, and I mean, he gave me the opportunity to come to my dream school, so. You know, that holds a special place in my heart, and he's a great dude. Um, we had we had a good time, good year together. Um, it, it was it was fun. Just, you know, a lot of injuries, stuff you can't you can't control. And we just we lost more than we should have. But I mean, it's it was it was it was tough. You know, we had so many guys hurt. I mean, Schmidt gets Tommy John, you know, guys just shoving it down everyone's throat and just out of nowhere gets Tommy John. The game we got Tommy John, he was shoving it down Florida's throat. I mean, <laughs> you know, the guy was special. And we just had – we had bad luck that year, you know. I mean, there were so many games where, like, we lost that were – or on Sunday that we lost the series. I mean, it was literally like – like, we like it was just – it was so unlucky every time. <laughs> yeah, we I lost, like – Go ahead, sorry. I, I know. I was just going to say, I was going to say the 2017 season and 2019 season, I feel like were very eerily similar. We're like you're saying, you guys that year, I remember specifically, like you said, I mean, Clark Schmidt gets hurt. Tyler Johnson got hurt for a while. And it's, it seemed like every weekend it came down to one pitch on Sunday that, you know, would have won or lost the series. And for whatever yeah. reason, that, that season was just didn't go, you guys. Oh, my God. Exactly. Like we, we beat every good team. Like we put them to the test and then just like, one pitch, and you're just like, no, man, come on. <laughs> like, we got – our luck's got to turn at some point, you know? 
For sure. I want to talk about that 2017 season specifically for you, though, Carlos, because, again, while you guys as a team struggled, um, you as a true freshman really flourished. I mean, you started 43 games, played in 50 games. You hit 286 on the year, 12 homers, 41 RBIs. Uh, I was watching an interview a little bit ago, and basically what you were saying was you were not surprised at all at the success that you had. Just talk about, you know, what you attribute that success to, being able to come in and have a really smooth transition and taking advantage of SEC pitching. Um, so I know it kind of sounds like cocky or whatever, but I, I'm very confident in myself. I'm a short guy, you know, like mm. <clears throat> if I don't believe myself, who's going to believe in me, you know? So I always, you know, I always thought that my ability to hit was always going to be there, you know? Mm. So I, as long as I just kind of do what I got to do and not do too much, which I started doing right around the middle of the year. And that's when I started playing. Uh, started listening to my dad again, you know, seven, seven, nineteen year old. <laughs> um, just kind of do, wanted to do my own thing, and then didn't work. So then I was like, all right, dad, like, can you help me? <laughs> but um, yeah, I just, I just always, I've always believed in myself, you know. Like, like I was definitely surprised with the power numbers because, you know, in, in high school you don't play enough games to kind of hit that many home runs or like. Mm-hmm. In travel ball, it just doesn't kind of happen that much. So I was definitely surprised with the power numbers. But the ability to hit, it's just always been there. But, like, it was it was fun. It was really good to see the the kind of, like, the hard work that I put in, the hours, you know, the blood, sweat, and tears, everything, kind of see that pay off um, kind of just in one season, you know. For sure. I wanted to ask you about that. Obviously, your height. Um, you know, I think you, you probably see a guy in the pros. He's a pitcher, but Marcus Stroman is a guy a lot of people talk about, the shortest pitcher in the big leagues. Yeah. Jose Altuve, the guy, position player, shortest player in the big leagues, whatever. But your height, I mean, how much – obviously, it doesn't affect your game. I mean, you we're going to get to it in a little bit, but, I mean, you're taking third round of the MLB draft in 2018. You obviously overcome that and everything else. But how, how much, I guess, growing up, was that a motivating factor? And then, like you said, coming into college, I mean – if you don't believe in yourself, nobody else is going to believe you. How much? How much do you use that? I guess fuel the fire. And how much did you use it then when you were in college as well? Um, I you know I just I don't know because I've always been the shortest guy on the team. You know, like smallest. I, not really the smallest because I'm a little thicker statue, <laughs> but uh, a little stubby. But um, you know, I just it kind of just like you know because. Growing up, it was, like, kind of, like, no, like, like it was a thing. Like, Dustin Pedroia was, like, the first guy ever, like, under, like, 5'10", you know, mm. to be really good. And then, like, growing up, people were like, yeah, you know, you're just, just small, man. I'm like, yeah, I know. But, like, and then these guys started coming, and then it's like, man, this is, this is sick. Like, there's, like, nobody actually cares about height anymore. Like, it's not about that. It's literally just ability to play. And I kind of, like, use that as a uh, fuel, like, you know, because these guys are doing it. Like, there's no reason I can't, you know. Mm. No, for sure. So, you talked about those power numbers. Obviously, again, 27 home runs during during your South Carolina career. And, I mean, you know better than anyone, you know, Founders Park can really be a launching pad if you get the wind blowing right, especially if you're blowing out the right field. I mean, you, you hit oh, yeah. many of them during your career over the right field fence. I mean, talking about how much fun it is for a hitter uh, playing in Founders Park, like I said, especially when you get the wind blowing at your back. Man, and that in about February, or was it like, 
like March to like May, it's just unbelievable. Because <laughs> it's typically blowing out to right in those in that part of the uh, year. Mm. So I mean, it's just you know that any at any moment you could you know you could just turn on one and and get some backspin on it. And it's it's gonna go out of there. <laughs> but uh, when I was here, center field played pretty big, so I was like, yeah, I'm I'm gonna stick to right field. You know, <laughs> probably hurt me a little bit more than it helped me, but yeah. Yeah, just say those gaps do get deep out. If you, you hit one out to center, you really poked it. So yeah, um, you did. Yeah, for it sure. says three eighty, but it's like four, it's like four ten in those in those uh those little alleys that say three eighty. Those things are not yeah. three eighty. No, for sure, for sure. So I, I do again that 2017, 2017 season. I do want to talk about it. Obviously. Um, a rough year. A lot of things didn't go you guys' way. And after the season, obviously, South Carolina decided to make the change or Chad Holbrook stepping down, if you will. I just want to get your take, obviously, because you were a guy as, as a true freshman, had a good year. You're coming back for your sophomore season. How surprised, if at all, were you at that? I mean, was it something you saw coming? But just give me kind of the emotions you felt when you heard the news that Chad Holbrook wouldn't be coming back. Um, I was kind of taken back by it, but I was um, – you know, I I feel like everything happens for a reason. That's how my beliefs are. So I'm 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 never one to be like stubborn to change or like kind of. I guess in, when it comes to me, I'm stubborn to change. But <laughs> but like I I kind of just go with the flow of things. You know, like you know I'm not gonna let it affect me. You know I'm gonna go out there and we're gonna try and win games as much as we can and kind of take care of business, you know, and when we did that, I think we did that pretty well that year. For sure. With Mark Kingston coming in, obviously he gets the job. How quickly did he come in and sort of, I don't want to say completely change the culture because I think the culture of South Carolina baseball, you know, is very good either way. It doesn't matter who's at the helm, but how quickly did he come in and sort of change things? Because obviously we saw a drastic improvement in a bunch of guys at the plate in 2018. I think it was definitely noticeable yeah. that something was different. I mean, what was it like he comes in that first team how quickly did you guys feel uh, sort of the change that he brought with him? Yeah, um, I think he was really bought into the hitting for power, so – and I am too. <clears throat> but the I, I think we took the analytical part a little bit more serious because, um, I mean, that's – you can you can fight it all you want, but that's that's part of our game now, you know? Mm. And, like, if, if – if you have it, you've got to take advantage of it. And I think we took very, very big advantage of it, and and we executed it really well. I mean, we had like like five guys hit over three hundred with power numbers, you mm. know? Yeah. And that that that's crazy. And I think we just we really bought it, we really bought into it, and um, just kind of believed, you know, because we started winning games. It's easy to not believe when you're not winning, you know, mm. but it's also easy to believe when you win. But we just we rode it as long as we did, you know. Mm. For sure. So that that 2018 season though, it got off to a very you know got off to a very interesting start. And I remember specifically, I know I know obviously you remember this as well. But the game that seemed to turn the tables was the Presbyterian midweek loss. And I've talked to a couple other guys about this, and that was sort of the moment where you know you guys made the decision enough is enough, and you go out there and you sweep LSU, and it was kind of on from there. I mean, the, the run that you guys want went on consecutive series in a row that you won but I mean just talk about that Presbyterian game you lose that game I mean what's said in the locker room and what do you think changed to turn that 2018 season around uh coach coach ripped us a new one man um and 
I mean, he took he took all of our luxuries away and made it made it to where this is baseball. You come here to work, no luxuries, no nothing. He just he took it all away from us and and we're like, man, he's right. Like, and we we really bought into it. I mean, we had the talent, but once we just once we all it was just all clicked together, it was there was no stopping us. I mean, there was no stopping us. But yeah, Kingston ripped us a new one, took everything away from us. And yeah, we we really we really kicked it in gear. <laughs> Kingston Kingston seems like he could be a pretty scary guy if he wants to. Yeah, man, that's kind of what you need in the coach, you know? Like, right? He'll, he's right there with you, and you know, when you mess up, he's gonna let you know. You know, that's it's accountability. It's what I'm I'm very big on that. Like holding holding people accountable for their actions. For sure. So that 2018 season, again, you have another fantastic year. Uh, hit 15 home runs on the season. One home run I want to talk about specifically, though, that I know holds a special place in your heart is uh, May of 2018. You guys are getting near the end of the season against Missouri. Um, scoreless game. You hit a walk-off home run. Not just a walk-off home run, though, but a walk-off home run on Mother's Day. Just for those of you don't remember that story, just kind of talk about the significance of that and, uh, you know, that memory, where it kind of sits for you now. Um. Man, that's that's crazy. I uh, I get chills talking about that. That was I mean, my mom's in the stand in the stands. I mean, it's like something that you dream about, you know, doing for your mom, <clears throat> doing something for your mom. And I don't know, man. I was like, I was so in shock. Like, and she started crying. I was like, oh my god, this is crazy. Like, I couldn't believe it. One run game, too. Was it one zero the final? Yeah, one zero. Yeah, nothing, nothing. Yeah. Uh, you hit the walk off. Yeah. Yeah, that that that's something that you you know you write in stories. You know, mm. like something you make up. But that's it's just like like I can't even talk about it. So like it's still so shocking to me. I could be able to do something like that in front of your mom on Mother's Day. <laughs> that's crazy. No doubt. So, again, the 2018 season, you guys go on that run, uh, make the postseason, don't host a regional. actually have to go to Greenville, East Carolina, um, sweep your way through that, and then go to Arkansas, which Arkansas makes it all the way to the nat the, the final series. Um, you guys are a game away, but just kind of talk about, just kind of summarize that postseason run. Again, being a one game away from Omaha, I know it's not the result – you necessarily won't the end, but you guys had to be extremely proud the way you battled back, especially, again, how 2017 went, going through a coaching change, the way 2018 starts. Um, I know you guys have to be pretty proud of your accomplishments, again, being one game away from it. Yeah, that that was making that super and, and knocking on the door of the College World Series. I know, you know, you don't want to settle for that, but, I mean, I mean, we battled all year every game I mean we we put we put everything to the test and we came out on top and then we just ran into uh I mean that that Arkansas team on paper was I mean unbelievable I think what two freshmen that were just absolutely animals yeah at, at their really, place too which is a madhouse so yeah I mean playing left field is is, is unbelievably hard over there <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Ten thousand left in the left field. Uh, what is it like? It's like a little area of grass area back there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that place. That place is hard. But yeah, I mean, we 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 were really proud. I mean, you know, we weren't finished. 
if you go back and, and watch and then you hear the uh, commentators when we went in Greenville and we swept through, no dog pile or nothing because we, we knew we knew what we came for. We knew we knew the end result and we weren't finished. But I mean we were so proud we made it that far and it was it was sad because I mean there was what like fifteen guys on that team that were done, like never playing yeah. at that university again at USC again. I mean it it was a sad it was a very sad day, um, but we were we were proud how far we came and how hard we worked to get there. You, you talked about the crowd at uh, at Arkansas. I'm I'm curious, what's the most rowdy environment you've played in in college, and what's the funniest thing you've heard from a fan like talking crap? because <clears throat> um, I, I, I got a lot of the Arkansas because I got drafted in the third round, like right uh, the week before. And they're just bashing me about, like, <laughs> oh, man, like, the Mets, like, messed up, man. Like, they don't know what they're doing. Like, you're so bad. Like, you're so small, too. Like, my, like, little nephew is bigger than you or something, something like that. Um, it was it was funny. They're, the Arkansas fans are very genuine, though. Like, at the end of the game, they're, they're uh, especially when we uh, – because I think I had a game where I went, like, three for three or something like that, and they congratulated me. They're, they're pretty genuine, but they're, when it comes to game time, they're ruthless. But, yeah, that, it's pretty funny. They're like, yeah, man, there's no way that you're – there's no way that they, the Mets should have picked you in the third round. Like, you're so bad. There's no shot that you make it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. The fans, man, say whatever they want. I mean, no. <laughs> Not That's too extreme, but you know they paid. They paid. Yeah, they paid to watch me play. You know. Exactly. Exactly. So I do. I do want to ask you about uh, the Carolina Clemson rivalry again. Your guy from the state of Florida, coming from out of state, um, only got to play in the rivalry for two years. But just just talk about what it's like being on the field playing the Carolina Clemson rivalry. Man, I didn't. I didn't know. I didn't know it like that until I until I really got here. You know, it was it was it was different, and then. I got to <clears throat> I got to Clemson. And I started that Friday night as a freshman. I did so bad. It was crazy. Charlie Barnes made me look like a fool. <clears throat> um yeah, I did so bad. The left field, I was I struck out like two two times, like really bad. Um and I was in left field. Left field fans were just roasting me and then I I get taken out of the game <clears throat> and um like in the seventh inning, the whole left field bleachers are chanting my name for me to come back out there. <laughs> mm. Man, that that rivalry that, that was something else, and I <clears throat> I hate Clemson so much now. <laughs> like it's so different now that I I went here and understand it. Like I hate Clemson so much. So you you had so, to take a lot of joy in last year then when Carolina kind of broke through and won the series. <laughs> yes, man, that was awesome. I was, I was so proud of my boys. That was awesome. For sure. So, I, I want to ask you again, you talked about that 2018 season when it ended, how many guys – and that was a senior-heavy team, just full of heavy guys that weren't coming back. You were part of a group the, that set the record for most guys drafted. And when you think about that, I mean, the great players and the great teams that have come through South Carolina, that is not – you know, that, that's not something to be overlooked. I mean, 10 guys go to the draft, sets a South Carolina record. You're obviously part of that going in the third round of the 2018 MLB draft. Just talk about, I guess, 
you know, you're obviously excited because you get drafted and you get to fulfill a lifelong dream, but then seeing all of your buddies, all of your teammates get drafted as well. And again, you guys, you know, are in the record books forever for doing that. I mean, just talk about how cool that is. That, that was, I saw that. I was like, man, that's crazy. Cause you know, you expected the, the guys to get drafted and like, ah, oh, this is going to be sick. Right? We're all going to be playing at the next level. <clears throat> then you actually see it come true. Then you're like, man, like, what was it? Like 12 guys got drafted. Mm-hmm. Yep. <clears throat> and, and that's crazy. And then there were two guys that probably should have got drafted, but um, just had down years, injuries. Like TJ Hopkins had the injury the whole year. Mm-hmm. And Alton just didn't have his best year and then ended up signing next year. I mean, that's two guys right there in just a row. I mean, that's three guys right there that easily could have got drafted that year and still didn't happen. But that's like even, I mean, how much would that put it at? Uh, 16 guys right there. That would be a shadow direction. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, it's, it's cool to see guys, you know, playing at the next level, your boys, especially. That's, uh, you know, really proud of them. That's, yeah. yeah. For sure. So, again, you get drafted third. No doubt you're going, obviously. You talked about it at high school. You want to get that number. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you got that number there. Um, beginning, anyways, you get drafted in the third round. I, I want to ask you more so about – because you were a guy that came in. Um, and one thing I think a lot of people don't know about you, you are ambidextrous. So, you come yeah. in and play infield and throw righty. You play outfield, throw lefty. Um, I guess I just want to stick to that first. I mean, how did that come about to be ambidextrous and play multiple positions? I mean, because again, not something many people can do, but you can. No, I mean, my dad's crazy. If you meet him, you'll understand he's crazy. Um, <laughs> so when I was younger, he just, you know, I'm, I'm short, lefty, not very fast. You know, like outfield is like, yeah, I can play outfield, but like, you know, I, I'm not going to be an elite outfielder being decent speed you know mm. so he's like why don't I turn you to righty so we can play infield or maybe catch when I don't like catching anymore but um it's like yeah why don't, why don't we do that I was like uh, I was like I, I hated it so much man it was so hard throwing like an idiot <clears throat> and just like I didn't know what I was doing and so I, it was like relearning how to throw all over again and it was tough but you know I saw it through. I typically see it through with my dad, you know. I, you know, I fight it, but then at the end of the day, I'm like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> and so now, and now you're playing infield at the pro level, though, right? Because I remember that was a – you got drafted as a second baseman, correct? Yeah, man. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess Pops, Pops knew what he was talking about. <laughs> Pops yeah, knew and he, he, tip, he typically does, man. I probably I tend to listen to him just a little bit later on, you know. <laughs> For sure. So I do want to ask you, obviously, you've played two seasons in minor league ball. You obviously, we talked off here, you're getting ready to go to mini camp and, you know, getting ready for another season, getting ready for the grind. Um, you were in low A your first season, high A last year. Um, just kind of talk about your minor league experience at this point. And is there, I guess, you know, being a third round guy, I'm sure they do, but do the Mets have you on sort of a track to the big leagues or sort of a plan as far as the next couple of years? Like, where, what's, I guess, currently your status? as far as uh, being in the minor leagues right now? Um, I wouldn't say there's a plan. It's all up to me, man. You know, it's all about performance, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, if I perform, am I ready? And if I'm not performing, then I'm obviously not ready. But, you know, I think it's all – yeah, it's all about me. It's all about preparing, um, getting my body right, you know. It, it really it's, – it's always been about, you know, the player himself, not, you know, the organization or – 
you know, <clears throat> it all comes down to you and what you can do at the end of the day to help the team win, you know? For sure. What's, what's the biggest thing you're working on in your game right now, would you say? Uh, definitely defense, man. You know, I'm still new to second. Um, still kind of raw there. I'm just, I'm working, working really hard at that. Um, <clears throat> you know, I'm always, I'm always in the cage hitting. So I'm always working on that kind of, just kind of uh, tweaking things here and there, kind of finding things. You know, swing can get out of funk instantly in mm. seconds. So you got you to gotta keep that up to par. <laughs> how, how do you feel like you've adjusted from the college game to pro? Because I was taking a look at your stats. I mean, you, like I said, 2018, you were in short A. Uh, but last year, I mean, the power numbers are still there. I mean, you hit 11 homers, 68 RBIs. So obviously you were really productive. I mean, how do you feel like your game, uh, especially at the plate, has transferred over from, from college to professional? I mean, just, just kind of, I mean, it's, it's every day, so it's different. So the, the consistency part is a little bit different. Like, mm. you got to find a routine every single day, um, you know, and if, and if you don't find that consistency, you're going to struggle and you're going to keep struggling because you play every day. So, and it's not going to flip around if you just think it is, you know, you got to mm. kind of do something about it. And um, I definitely, I definitely get hit for a better average, but I mean, that league is tough, man. And, Hitting 255 or two around there is pretty good for that league. But I'm not, you know, I'm not content about it. So I definitely want to keep the average up, keep it going up, and kind of let my power numbers take care of themselves. You know what I mean? No doubt. So going to get you out of here, Carlos. Last question, though, before I let you go. When you look back on your South Carolina career, uh, what would you say is your favorite memory in Garnet and Black? Man, there's so many. Uh, I I gotta say, man, the Mother's Day. I would put the two together: Mother's Day and playing in the Super Regionals. Yeah, Mother's Day in '18 and playing in that Super Regional is probably one of my favorite things of all time. For sure, See, two man, good choices. Two. I was gonna say Sorry. two good choices, both memorable for South Carolina fans yeah. as well. I would say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No man. doubt. No doubt. Well, Carlos, really do appreciate it, man. Like I said, best of luck this season. Best of luck with everything. We'll definitely be uh, be keeping in touch and you know keeping track of you, what you do this season. But uh, you know, it was obviously a pleasure to watch you do what you did in Garnet and Black, and uh, really do appreciate your time. Appreciate that, man. It was awesome being on. Uh, thank you for everything. Absolutely. So for Carlos Cortez, I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll catch you next time on an episode of the Spurs Up Show. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.